This is Carl the Jackal Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. I'm Jonas Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Kewell. And you're, you're listening, listening to The Score. score. The Score with Michael Clark. And welcome along to The Score here on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM with me, Michael Clark. This week's show is all about the Irish Cup. The first semi-final is taking place tonight at Windsor Park in Belfast between the North Belfast rivals Cliftonville and Crusaders. We have former stars of each club joining us on the programme from Cliftonville, Ryan Catney and representing Crusaders, Richard Clark. They know all about winning silverware, but which side will be getting closer to silverware after tonight's match? It'll be interesting to get their views. That's coming up in just a moment. And later in the show, what about the other semi-final? When's it happening? And what's the latest with Glen Torren's appeal? Journalist Gareth McCulloch will bring us up to speed after the hearing was heard on Thursday night. It's all coming up right here on The Score. The Score with Michael Clark. Well, it's a match that doesn't need any extra selling, does it? It does it for itself because it's massive any time Cliftonville play against Crusaders. It gets people talking and the players will be fired up for it. But we're so excited. We thought we'd get a legend from each side on. And we're going to start with the Reds. Uh, this man has been involved in plenty of North Belfast derbies down through the years and has had the distinct privilege of lifting several pieces of silverware whilst representing Cliftonville. It's a pleasure to welcome back onto the programme. Ryan Catney. Ryan, how are you? All good, mate. Thanks very much for having me. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, two Danske Bank Premiership titles, four League Cups, three County Antrim Shields. Uh, I'm sure there's a few other bits and pieces in there that I haven't mentioned too, but uh, you, you've practically done it all. Practically done it all, except for the one that was missing, which hopefully the Reds can lift this year. How much has that been a frustration down through the years for, for Cliftonville players, let alone their supporters? Yeah, look, there's been many a great Cliftonville player that hasn't lifted their ha- get their hands on, on that trophy. Um, obviously, as just, it's well documented, the last time they won it in 1979, it's been a long hard 40 years just not for the players but obviously the the supporters so it's definitely one that needs it needs rectified and it, it put to bed and all this buggy cup and it just needs put to bed now and hopefully this new crop of players are the, are the ones to rewrite the history books how impressed have you been with this squad super uh paddy's have been playing good football this they seem to have this never say die attitude um. Obviously, it was evident in the League Cup final. It was two 0 down with ten fifteen minutes to go, and the the they turned that round completely. Obviously, a couple of subs made the difference. The two boys come on, scored the goals. Paul O'Neill and obviously Joe Gormley. But there seems to be a great camaraderie in the in the camp at the minute, just from the outside looking in, which is always a good thing. They all seem to be mates and. Um, it, it seems to be they're, they've been playing some great football this year. Because you still have uh, lots of friends at Cliftonville, I'm sure you'd be very pleased for them if they were to do it. And I know you love the club, but would there be any part of you that would be a wee bit jealous if they won the Irish Cup? <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. Look, I, I, I have my time. I think if you if you talk to any other player, we we had our time, but we didn't do it. We had a chance to do it on a couple of occasions. Um, there'd be no jealousy on our part. I'll be there if they get to the final. Um, as a supporter, and I'll be, I'll be wanting them to win it. As I say, I don't want that this team to be hanging on the coattails of that particular squad, and I'm sure they don't want to do that there. Uh, about the 2013 or 12-13 team, but they'll want to be the the new heroes and new legends, and, and and this is the time to do it. And you've got that experience of coming through semi-finals, and um, 
how do you deal with the pressure of those big games? Because obviously you've won league titles too, so you know what it's like to to be in that position where the spotlight is on you and, and, and in some ways you're set up to fail. How do you come through it? As a footballer, these are the games you want to play. Uh, for me personally, semi-finals, quarter-finals, semi-finals, finals. If you want to if you want to do something, you want to get the medals in the bank, these are the games that you look forward to. And Obviously, it's it's at Windsor. I've I've just read there now again that the red the the red army have, have sold out the the whole north stand and they've actually given an extra allocation. So there, I, I know as a ex player that this current crap will buzz off out there. They'll they'll buzz off the crowd, the atmosphere that they're going to bring. And as I say, you want to play in big games as a player, and this there's no bigger game than the North Belfast Derby at, at Windsor. I mean. If you came from another planet and just were transported to this current time, you could close your eyes and tell by the sound in the stadium at the moment that Cliftonville are a team going places because their fans have been in tremendous numbers and voice all season. How special is that when you're on a pitch and you, you hear and you feel that sort of support for you? Yeah, it's even now, as you're just saying that, I'm getting goosebumps. It's even like, just being there in the League Cup final, it, it brought back the memories of when we were playing. I, even when we were playing, we never received the crowds. Like the, that was the biggest crowd of Reds men I've ever seen at the previous League Cup final. It was unbelievable. But as I say, the the players are buzzed off that. If they don't, there's, there's something wrong because it's amazing. You're doing it for not just yourselves, but you just go out there and see a CRA and you're doing it for the club. When you think back to some of those special moments, um, you had a very special manager and, and someone we all miss very dearly and Tommy Breslin. What was it about Tommy that was able to, to turn that group of players, talented though they were without question, into winners? Uh, it's hard to put my finger on it. it was, as you say, Tommy just had this, I think Tommy was very lucky. Um, he just kind of jailed that whole group. It was obviously something that Eddie set the foundations in and then Tommy just came in with his mates, touched him and Mento and it just clicked. Everything just clicked. The team clicked. The players clicked. There was, it was just it was just an amazing time. He was, he was just an amazing manager. It, it, it all came together over them couple of years. And what a couple of years they were. I mean, uh, does it get much better than the back-to-back titles? No. And as I say, this current crop of players, like, it should take this opportunity with both hands because you just, you just never know when the next time that you're going to win a major trophy. And as I say, not many people have won league medal for Clinville, but they do it back-to-back. There's only a select few. And... Um, as I say, they need to grasp this for the magnitude of it of how big this is for this club, and they'll be they'll be absolute legends if they go on and do it. When you were doing it, did you feel the pressure of the generation before you? Because there were people comparing and saying, "Well, uh, the team that did it last," you know, when you were in the twenty twelve thirteen season and pushing, people kept going, "Is this team better than the last one?" Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Did that ever get into your camp or into your head even? No, because I think obviously. Different generations, there was different styles of play, and mm-hmm. obviously there was different circumstances in '98. And there was like, I think they were, they had a great camaraderie in that team. Not saying we did, we had brilliant, but they they were more they grinded out results like one nils or two ones. Do you know what I mean? Where I think we had a bit of we had a bit of style and grit mixed together. Um, no, I don't think you can compare teams. Obviously, people will, but. This, are we going to compare this current crop to the, the last generation? That I think they're, they're a really, really good football team. You can see similarities in, as they have a never-say-die attitude and they play some some great football. Like. Winning the League Cup, you would imagine, gives them such a, a huge confidence boost because they just seem to, as you say, have that attitude where they can't be beaten at 2-0 down they weren't waving any white flags. They come back and won that. So there might not be too much fear going into this game against Crusaders. No, no. And Clemwell, uh, if you if you they're the the team in momentum in the league. Oh, oh, sorry, in the whole not just the league form, but obviously the win in the league cup and all. They mm-hmm. are the team who have momentum. Um, no one uh, the shooting fear Crusaders. Big pitch, and the way Clemwell play football, uh, it, it'll suit. I think the pitch will suit more Clemwell than it will. 
Crusaders who are going to have to try and get in their face and disrupt them and not let them get into that passing groove that they're going to try and get into. And it's it's set up for a, an interesting game, but so it is. What was it like playing against Crusaders? Because uh, there's no secret you were always fired up at the best of times, Ryan, but uh, you always give a bit extra against the Crews. Yep, look, it's it's a North Carolina fast derby. It's, it's, it's the one the fans look forward to. Bar than a game, it's 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 bragging rights in North Belfast. The goal, I'll probably say on both sides. Do you know, it's that's the it's the big one for obviously the fans and the club. Obviously, where the clubs are situated, but no, for me personally, yep, I was. I you always get a bit fired up when you're playing your local local uh, rivals, and maybe sometimes get a bit too fired up. <laughs> it, it it sometimes they boil over. There's no secret there, but even within your team at the time there was that competitive rivalry I mean uh, the relationship you and Barry Johnson had the do we documentary on I think yeah <laughs> um look we 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 great, great times do you know what I mean at the time as well Crusaders were very successful I think we broke the dominance of Linfield and then for a couple of years and then Crusaders had a couple of years so it was we had great uh great battles along the years with obviously they had some great players but obviously Coach and all and Cadell and big chicken up front no so the bottles are great, and yeah, and you have the cherish in them times, and they were great times. Most certainly the case. Um, when you think of the the, the disappointment of you know Irish Cup runner up, uh, well, you played in two of the three finals, but you were a squad member of all three. Um, I think injury didn't help you in, in 2018, but yeah. the those experiences as a player. How do you get over them? Um, I, I'm thinking more so for the likes of Joe Gormley, who you know was hoping to to sort of get rid of any demons from from previous finals. Um, look, it, it's it's the past. You, you you can't change it, so you can't like Joe and Chrissy and whoever else was in that uh, Levi. I think was in the 2018 mm-hmm. squad. So look, they'll, they'll not they'll not come into their train of thought. Um, it shouldn't. Um, it's gone. As I say, you can't change the past. They'll be looking forward to tonight. They'll not be thinking about finals or anything that they're and they're going to give Crusaders the respect that they deserve. But no, as I say, there'll not um, be no negative thoughts of uh, we're just constant runners up or this or that. They'll be going there tonight fully confident that they could get the job done. And it speaks volumes of the, the quality in the squad when someone who was amazing last season in Aaron Donnelly isn't getting as many games this year. It, it's, that shows you that, but that's what you need. You need competition for places, and when you're in, you need to stay in, and you need to be performing seven, eight, nine out of ten every week. And as you say, Aaron, thanks God, player of the year the last two years. Mm-hmm. Great kid, great player. He will get back in eventually. Maybe, maybe have still the big foot to play in, in the split games. But as I say, it's it's it shows you the the quality. And the, the depth in, in the squad at the minute, that if you're out of the team, you're going to find it very hard to get back into it. Who has impressed you most of uh, the Cliftonville team this year from what you've seen of them? A big artist at the back has been absolutely superb. He's been a revelation, actually. I, I, I didn't know he, he was obviously that good. Uh, Chris Lowe's come in. He's been superb, solid as a rock. Uh, the, the midfield and Gallagher, the wee Gallagher, mm-hmm. been impressed by him, and then obviously Levi's been, I think he's been outstanding. He's he's come in there, he, like he's he's trimmed down, and he just looks like he's right on it. Um, obviously, he's been captain a few games this season. I've always told him to be a future captain of the club, and I think he's been class. He really has been, and. Very honest, and I we spoke to Paddy McLaughlin on the program a few weeks ago about this as well. They had that honest conversation that managers and players do, and he was set a challenge. He's met the challenge, and his his form has gone through the roof. And I think now finally he's getting the recognition that he deserves, and he, he's probably reaching the levels that maybe he would have hoped to have reached previously. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And I think he'll be the first to tell you. So he will. Um, probably injuries have hampered him a bit. He he, he had a couple of issues with his foot and he was in and out of the team and I uh, read the article the other week that Paddy was uh, questioned his weight and stuff like that there but he's, he's obviously he's knuckled down he, he's in the gym flat out obviously he's training flat out with the Clinville. Um 
But every time I see him, I'm just I just can't be not impressed with him. He he's just he's he's brought his game to the next level. When I say Clifton Vote versus Crusaders, is there a a match where a particular good memory springs out? Um, probably the the League Cup win, the first League Cup win in two thousand thirteen with the four uh, nil on Sky. Just think again, it was a, it was the the catalyst for that team when we won that third, it was the catalyst to go on and win the league. And um, that's the one that always stick out for good reasons. Cliftonville fans will be wondering, the, the team have done so well to, to push away any time we ask them the question about the word treble because they haven't got to the Irish Cup final yet and, and Crusaders are going to hope to ruin any treble talks this weekend. But what do you think? Do, do you believe that they can go on and win either the Irish Cup, the league, or both from here? Absolutely. I, I don't see why not. As I say, they're the team that have momentum in the league. Um, I don't see why not. I don't see why they shouldn't believe they're good enough. It's rather, as I say, they need to grasp it with both hands. This opportunity might never come around again or for some players it may be a one time thing but yeah if it's there why not go for all three they've got one in the bag they're right behind Linfield in the league um, so as I say if they win all their league games they're potentially going to be champions um, and then obviously tonight in the semi-final that'll take care of itself on the night and those are the things I love how relaxed you are in saying just go win your games but that is that is the challenge in front of them that is, and that's just the way I know the old uh, thing saying is one game at a time. But if Clinton will win their next five league games, they're league champions. And I know it's it's, it's easy, easier saying than done, but that's just the way they have to think about it. And they win their next five games. They give everything their next five games, they could be potentially league champions. I can feel the excitement just amongst Cliftonville fans even listening to that sentence. And. Um... It's going to be some title race. just wanted to ask you, Ryan, about um, what you're up to at the moment. I know you're involved with Cliftonville under-18s. How's that going? Yeah, it's, it's it's great. I'm actually loving it. I've been in the last year. Just, obviously, I, well, obviously, when I retired and stuff, I didn't really know uh, what I wanted to do. Did I want to stay in football or not? And then Mark Smith made the phone call and said, would you like, come, come in to help? And use your experience around the club. The younger players, obviously, have, have been there and have won a couple of things with Clinville and he knows, obviously, what I can give the Demons. And so I've just been in flirting about with the under-18s and under-20s with Mark Smith and a couple of the other boys. And yeah, I'm really loving it. Is that something you could see yourself doing more of now in the, the next few years? Um, I, I hope so. I hope so. I, do, I, really, I didn't think about it. I loved it as much as I have. Um, it's it's really it's it's great seeing the, the younger players coming through and seeing who the next crop is that could potentially go on and play. Obviously, their dreams and they want to play across the water, but hopefully, there's some players that maybe I'll filter into the the Clinton-Ville first team, and I'm excited to be part of trying to help Emmons progress into that there. And seeing them at that stage in their career, where it's all in front of them too, and they're you know they're impressionable, they're excited, they just want to you know make everybody happy. Basically, uh, it kind of takes away any of the cynical feelings that we have towards football. Yeah. Look, it's great. They're on the journey, so they are. You know, they're some. They're very young. They're only six, 15, Some of them are only fifteen or sixteen, yeah. and they've got their whole careers ahead of them. And I'm just there. I look at being there and and done most things in football. And, if I can help them in any simple way or any giving them any bit of advice, I'll I know I'm always there and at the end of the phone or on the training pitch, they can come and talk to me. Well, it looks like Mark is some talented boys coming through at the moment. Yep, there's, there's a great young crapper. Um, obviously, a couple of boys have been up with the, the first team, a couple of first team scores, young young Michael Morgan and Sean Moore, who are, in my eyes, Definitely good enough, if not to play for the Clinton first team, but good enough to go away and play in England. Both 16, both tremendous talents. Uh, but just not them two. There's other boys, are you got me in five or six, you know what I mean? But just because them boys have been up with the first team. But Mark's did a great job along with his coaches, uh, Liam, Chris um, and Jake, uh, of 
developing these players and giving them the platform to go on and hopefully if Paddy needs players who to go up and train or play or that they can trust his judgment then they'll get a chance. Tell you what, Ryan, it doesn't half make me feel old. I don't know about you, but they're you know, I'm thirty two, they're these boys are half my age. <laughs> uh, well, I'm more than half their age, so I am so it's no, it's as I say, they're 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 only kids and they're as you say, they're impressionable and they're just like it just reminds me of when I was that age they're just excited to get out and play football that's all they want to do they want to go and train they want to go and play football matches and it's, it's great to see and whilst you're coming through at that age and you're seeing the senior team playing uh, amazingly well it just inspires you further you've got those role models right in front of you yep as I say that's the big crowds and all there, and there's a, there's a great buzz about the club. So as you can, you can tell, I be I go over and watch the first team training, to look at their training sessions, and even the buzz about the, the whole place in general. There's just when the team's going well and 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 they're up challenging at the right end of the table for leagues and league cups and Irish cups. There's just we've just got great momentum with the club at the minute. Well, I can feel the belief pouring through. Uh, chatting to you here, so. Last question for me, Ryan Catney. Score prediction, Cliftonville versus Crusaders. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win, Cliftonville. There you go, 2-1 win, Cliftonville, he says. Uh, it's been a pleasure catching up with you, Ryan. Thank you so much for coming on to The Score. Thank you, Michael. The Score with Michael Clark. Well, that's the Cliftonville perspective from Ryan Catney, and maybe no surprise that he is backing the Reds to do the job tonight, but a man who might just take a different view, let's find out, joins us now on the line. He's a Crusaders legend, and it's uh, great to have him on the show, Richard Clark. Richard, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Michael. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to the match tonight and getting home from work and getting the feet up, and thankfully having no that pressure of a semi-final to entertain, but... uh, should be a good game. Uh, we'll come on to the Centenary Shield later because um, we were chatting to each other last night at that game and um, obviously a, a hugely dramatic match in itself. Northern Ireland Republic of Ireland playing out a, an entertaining 2 all draw. And uh, and I learned Richard loves nothing more than a, than a wee chicken goujons after a match. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely do. You've, uh, you've definitely got my hidden secrets. No doubt about that. I was just about to cut it. There was no depth with it. Uh, but uh, at that stage of the night, Michael, I was just glad to get any type of food. So um, it was good to get a bit of grub into it. Well, uh, amen. Uh, everyone was very good to me as well. Just before you throw me under the bus or throw myself under, I was brought back to you and I was made sure that I was... I was fed. It's better than going to those golden arches and uh, taking some fast food, which was my other plan. So there we go. We were well nourished, um, which is which is the main thing. But onto the task at hand, you know, playing for Crusaders against Cliftonville. How quickly were you aware of how much that match meant to the supporters? Um, obviously, you know, it's, it's a North Belfast derby, but I came to Crusaders at a time where Cliftonville were dominating, mm-hmm. and you know. I remember my first night actually um, at the club, being introduced to the fans and, and the players. They were actually playing each other in the League Cup final at Solitude, and Cliftonville won that match in penalties. Um, and that was the first, my first real taste of, of what it meant. I was sitting amongst the fans that night, and you know, you just everybody was was keen to get the win and looking for those bragging rights. I think you know Cliftonville were really dominating the league and were really dominating the cup. So I think it brought an extra spice to the game at that stage, but. You know, thankfully that next season you would dawn to uh, to win our first league title, and I think it was made it all a bit sweeter that we won that title that day at Solitude. I think it's the infamous day that Stephen Baxter really tore the fingers off himself in the fence. <laughs> so you know, but it definitely was sweeter that we did win it at Solitude that day, and we we t- we had taken the title off Cliftonville. Um, you know, over the years, you know, the experiences I I've played in big two games and. That's predominantly perhaps the biggest derby match in the Irish League calendar, but there's definitely that that spark between the two clubs, and I think that's ignited recently with the, the success of the two clubs, and I think tonight is going to be no different. Um, but as I say, the following year then, you know, we actually went back to Solitude again, and we won the title that night at Solitude. So it was it was, it was a nice uh, bonus. So to say, because the fans were able to perhaps you know have the bragging rights there and then at, at you know the main rivals stadium and um but you know there's been a lot of good games over the the, the years. I just recall Cliftonville were 
were beating us 3 0 at Solid or at uh, CV one day and we came back and won 4 3. You know, so there's been a lot of dramatic games and um, I think for me personally, the Boxing Day games are, are probably probably the better of, of the games because you know everybody's off over Christmas. It's a big spectacle, you know, and and that really gives the the team going into the new year that impetus. And, and, and certainly in my time, we were really successful over the Boxing Day days, and that really gave us that that push towards going for the title in the new year. Well, it's no wonder Crusaders fans look back in your time there so fondly because they were largely winning days and having had to endure from that perspective, Cliftonville going back-to-back, for then you to to take it off them in the fashion that you did and and go back-to-back yourself, I mean, that was was a a brilliant period for the club. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, You you talk to to the players and management and the, the, the coaching staff, and the fans, there was a feeling that the Crusaders were building something uh, in the, the previous years, but they just couldn't maybe perhaps get that that next level. Um, but I'm not saying in particular myself, but you know, you look at the likes of the signings we brought in at that stage. You know, B.J. Burns, Darwin O'Carroll, Barry Malloy, Stephen O'Flynn, you know, key players, and then the likes of Gavin White came to the fore. We brought in experienced players like Michael Carvel, who's been there and done it. So that may have an extra. Um, Quality and a bit of, bit of know-how to to the squad, perhaps give us that level and give us that jump because you know there's no doubt about it. Clintonville and Crusaders were dominant at that period, and you know the likes of Limfield had, had maybe started to rebuild. But uh, definitely the two clubs over the recent years have been littered with success, and I know Clintonville have, have started momentum again with the League Cup final uh, under their belt already this season. So I know Crusaders will be uh, have that in the back of their mind, and you know the Irish Cup. Unfortunately, I was on the losing side to Crusaders a few years ago, and it'd be something that they really, really want to home in on. And there's no doubt that that's at the forefront of Stephen's mind uh, tonight going forward. Because you know, no disrespect to the other two teams in the other semi semi finals, well, maybe three at the minute, <laughs> but uh, you know, whoever wins this tie tonight will probably be the firm favourites going into the final. There's no doubt about that. What? Is Stephen Baxter like? What do you imagine his approach will be in you know in the days leading up to it, and now the day of the semi-final? Um, Stephen's quite a calm type of guy in, in the dressing room. You know, he he remind the players uh, about the importance of the match, and I think he also remind the players that it is a North Belfast derby. I think the, the last game they played was quite uh, quite spicy and quite heated. You know, I think Declan got sent off, so. You know, but he will remind the players that you know he can't afford to have that lack of discipline and that ill discipline tonight in the game because it's such a massive game for the club. Um, and you know, in a semi-final on a big pitch at Windsor, down to ten men, it'll be it'll be tricky. But needless to say, there'll be a few feisty tackles, I've no doubt. Um, I think Stephen's approach. I think we've seen it maybe over the last three league games where he's chopped and changed his team, and especially from Saturday there, past against Dungannon, he rested. He was six or seven players, so he is clearly one eye in this game for quite a while, and it just shows you the importance of it because Crusaders are dependent on getting into Europe, and every club's the same because of the finances and, and the prestige that it brings. And um, as goes to tactics, Crusaders has always been a, a team that really go and take the game to Clippenball, but perhaps maybe he's looked at the the, the tactics that Korean used in the semi final or uh, in the final against them in the League Cup final. Um, Maybe that's maybe an option for him, but knowing Stephen, he'll, he'll back his team and he knows he's got quality in the team, the likes of Ben Kennedy, Heatley, you know, you've got Jordan Versailles there. So he'll be conf- quite confident in the background that you know he's got the players that can match Clifford and no doubt go on and try and win the game because ultimately Crusaders have been successful over the years and that's the benchmark that he'll, he'll set and he'll have the, the team ready to go and um, he'll no doubt be... Uh, Agitated himself a wee bit, a wee bit nervous, but and say semi-finals are so important, and uh, he'd be hopeful for a win. Crusaders, let's face it, and uh, their fans will remind you probably that I was there for both of them. I've had quite poor fortune in semi-finals in recent years. You look at the Irish Cup semi-final against Larn, which went to penalties and resulted in Johnny Tuffy being sent off, and eventually them losing the shootout, and the the semi-final at Solitude for the European playoff spot where. They had a goal not given that, that should have been a goal when Michael Ruddy had converted, but it was judged to have not crossed the line when replays showed that it clearly did. As much as people talk about, well, Cliftonville haven't won the Irish Cup in over 40 years, is there any part of 
Crusaders psyche that that could creep in where we haven't had luck when it comes to semi-finals lately. It just hasn't been going our way. Does does that affect players or not really? Um, I know myself at the time with Crusaders. I know we we were the first league title and we were going for it. And you know we had played uh, we had played Lintour at, at Bournemouth um, that year and Lintour won us beat, beat us actually one nil. You know it was a big disappointment because we felt we had the squad that year to go and do the double. But perhaps it was the distraction of the the, the the league title that maybe took our eye off the ball and that was more important to us as such. Um, but as you say, there's no doubt Crusaders have had such bad luck over recent times with with penalties and you know penalties that have scored that haven't been given and penalties that have been saved that have been deemed you know illegal because you know Johnny's been off his line. But they say Stephen will will try and put that to the back burner. You know he's he's actually come out and played a lot of that down in recent times and. And hopefully, you know, sometimes before you do need a wee bit of luck, and and hopefully, yeah. none of the players will actually want to get to that stage tonight. So he'll remind them perhaps that you know let's try and get this done in ninety minutes, if not extra time. But to say penalties is an absolute lottery for any club, for any team. So, um, but he'll not want to get it to that stage. And for any player, it's not a nice way to, to lose a semi final. Um, even just looking back as well, we you know uh, over recent years we we lost a. A semi-final to Glenavon. So there is history there that you know both teams have are trying to get that monkey off their back as such. Um, I don't know playing for Glentorn in the 2013 final against Cliftonville. They were going for the treble that year, and they were the hot favourites. So they were the hot favourites tonight. So that tag can can never really be you know certain in any type of game, and especially such a tight game tonight. So um, hopefully it's a good spectacle, and I really like to see you know. If I'm not being biased there, I'd really like to see Crusaders win the match in normal time, if, if possible. And as a Crusaders fan, I don't think it could be, it could stick to the, the narrative of penalties again. <laughs> Give us a prediction then. So I know what your heart says, but what's your head say? Um, well, I know Ryan has said Clifton, so he, he's, he's went with the heart. Um, <laughs> I suppose that the form team at the minute is probably Clifton, uh, but I've been involved in football for years and years and years and you know come, come to games I guess form does have a part to play but it does go out the window at times as well and I know it's such so important for both clubs um, I know Cliftonville are still in the title race um, but I'm going to stick my, my head on the line and go for Crusaders just because I think it means more not in the sense of uh, it doesn't mean much to Cliftonville but they've already got the League Cup Final, you know, on their belt, and they're still going for the league. I still, and I think that age of uh, having that silver to play for for Crusaders is, is very much, you know, their motivation, and they'll not they'll not want to to lose that sort of grip on a possible final and possibility of Europe because the club needs it. Um, and hopefully they can do it. So I'm going to stick my neck on the line and go for a Crusaders one. What that score will be, I don't know, but um, we'll go for a Crusaders one. Okay, back in Crusaders. I thought you might say that somehow. It's going to be a, a really, really good match, which I'm looking forward to. You mentioned the the experience of winning the Irish Cup with Glentoran against Cliftonville. Um, what are your memories like from that day? How much were you able to soak it in? I'm always interested to hear what that experience is like, because for many players, it's it's kind of the pinnacle of their career. Yeah, that's it, uh, Michael. You know, for years I watched Linfield lift trophies, lift uh, Irish Cups on TV and you just as a player you just hope that you get an opportunity to get, to have that opportunity to go and lift a trophy and um, that year we actually won the Cup uh, for Glentorn. Uh, you know, it was well documented that year about uh, the, the issues that the club had financially and I think it galvanised us as a, as a group and we went into that final and we had nothing to lose really because Cliftonville are going for the, the treble and I think perhaps that was the best thing that could happen to us that Cliftonville were going for a treble and they were maybe they've over celebrated the, the league title because that was the first time they had won it for a lot of time as well. So we just could do that once we came out for half time we got that equalizer we could just tell that uh, you know that there was something there for us and we've done the one the game three one that day and I know Andy Waterworth scored two and was man of the match and it was a big big reason why we won that final. Um, from a personal point of view, I think I seen the red mist that got sent off that day, so it is. But thankfully, it didn't cost us a game. But it's just that sheer emotion after the match that you've worked so hard and you know, you've made such big sacrifices through traveling and 
you know, spending time with family over the years has been lost because of you, you've you've dedicated so much to football. But all that emotion comes in, comes out that day. I remember running from the, the tunnel at the, at the old Windsor, and the first person I met was Stephen Carson. I think we just literally hugged each other for about a minute, <laughs> just squeezed each other that tight. So, and that day the, the North Stand was full of Glen men, and you know it was, it was a it was a picture in his own. You know, it was full of the Glen Torn fans celebrating, and um, and Cliftonville actually lost. So. But uh, as I say, it's, it's a great day. It's a great occasion. It's the biggest day of the year for for Irish League football, and uh, for any player to experience it, you know, it's great. And unfortunately, we lost the final to Crusaders in 2019 with Ballon That was hard to take. But at the same time, it was a such a magical story for a club like Ballon to reach the final. And I think really, you know, we were in a one-one situation because I think our cup final was a warm point. Semi-final as such, you know, to actually get to the cup final was such an achievement, and, and what a day that was. So, but unfortunately, um, we lost, and, and that was football. But Crusaders were well worthy winners on the day. So, but it's a great day out, and all the fans love it, and the family day out. And, you know, all the players like to get their their kids on the pitch and stuff as mascots on that, on that day. So it's a special time, and I just hope that Crusaders can give me actually a day out as a supporter in May and I can go and enjoy and watch it but there's a lot of football to be played tonight to, before it gets to that stage You weren't the only person sent off in that final as well, just to, just to sort of you know, unbesmirch your name if I can say that um, yeah. <laughs> ju- Just in the week that's in it, Elliot Morris has announced his retirement from football, he was well, has been an absolute legend of Irish League football and you know, he's a player that rival supporters can begrudgingly say that he's been one of the greats of the league. What's he been like as a teammate and what's your thoughts on the news that he's hanging up the gloves after, what, two decades of service? Yeah, um, Elliot and I, you know, it took me a wee while, anybody that knows Elliot, it takes a wee while to get into the circle with him. But once you get in there, you know, he's an absolute gentleman and it's a friendship that's grew and grew for he and I over the years and, you know, 20 years of service to any club is, is remarkable and there's not too many get too many people get two testimonials out of it and I'm sure Elliot will be delighted if Glen Torn mm-hmm. get another match for him uh, but you know he's a credit to the game he's an Irish League icon now really isn't he so um, and some of his performances over the years have been phenomenal and I would say if they go and say that you know he's probably one of the best goalkeepers that, that I've played with if not the best so he is so uh, but he's a has a well decorated career, um, you know, and I wish him all as well. Wish him all the best in his future. And I know he's heavily involved in the coaching aspect of things, so that's something that, although it will not replace the playing aspect, but it's something he enjoys. And he'll be looking to bring through the next generation of goalkeepers at Lintorn and and always his own academy. So he'll be pushing that as well. So um, just wish him all the best. And he's a great lad, and he's adored by all Lintorn fans. And He's well respected by all the Irish League supporters in the game because at the end of the day there's rivalry but there's an appreciation as for good players as well in the league so and Elliot's certainly one of them. That's a brilliant tribute. Um, you mentioned Balna Mallard. That's of course the club that you're at currently. Um, it looks like the promotion push might just be a step too far for for this season. Um, what's your thoughts been on the campaign? Um, the campaign has been difficult. You know we started off the season pretty slowly like we always do. Um, and we got the grips of the game again. Uh, in, around, in around the November stage, where we, we really made a push and we got ourselves back in, in the hunt. And then after Christmas, really, we, we brought in some good players and we tried to push on. But unfortunately, you know, through injuries, suspensions, you know, lack of form, lack of confidence, you know, it just hasn't worked. Um, we're probably at the minute now going into the split. We're probably too far off Anna. They're I think ten points ahead of us. So. There's 15 points still to play for, but you know it's going to be difficult. And mathematically, it's a big charge. But um, it's been disappointing. There's no doubt because we feel that we had the the capabilities and the, the squad there together to, to make a big push. But sometimes in football it just doesn't work out that way. On paper, you know people probably looking from the outside think you know Ballon Miller should be should be going up. But as I say, football is never won on paper, and um, it's disappointing. I know there's disappointment around the club, but supporters and that but um, it's not for the lack of trying it's just things just haven't worked out um, and it's, it's really difficult to put your finger on one thing I think it's accumulation of, of a few things and 
in football you need things to, to go your way but fortunately we just haven't done enough and as players we've been looking at ourselves as well and what we could have done better and although the season's not over we'll still be making a, a big push but realistically it's it's Yuri's to lose now I think in the league and I think Anna's to lose for the playoff spot so but I know there's the likes of Lockall and, and and the welders and that will be trying to push them hard and tight we'll still push them as much as we can ourselves but it's probably not looking likely now and finally the centenary shield uh provided a mixed bag for northern ireland in the end you're part of the coaching team i have to say every game i was impressed with the performances of northern ireland and i'm not saying that to be twee or patronizing the results haven't matched up with the the effort that has been put out yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, Michael. There's no doubt about that. I think you know we meet every Sunday morning. You know the commitment from the boys has been excellent, and the togetherness of the group has been unbelievable. I think you know, we went to Jersey in January for a like a like a pre-season tournament as such against Jersey playing two games, and that sort of united the group. That brought togetherness, and you know they got to know each other a bit better, and you can see that I think throughout the four performances that you know they're a united group and they they, they love playing with each other and. Have a real spirit amongst them, and I think over the four games, I definitely have not been biased here, and I'm glad you sort of agree with me. That, you know, we've been the better side in the four games. We just there's key moments within those games that we've made a bad decision and give a bad goal away. Um, you know, we've given two last minute goals away in the last two weeks against England, and obviously last night as well. And we feel that perhaps we've probably left the trophy behind this year because. We we were the first team that finished all their games, and it's so frustrating to see what that group could have been capable of. But um, we just lacked the key moments. Um, but if I look back over the four games, we were so dominant in games at times, and we just didn't do enough. Um, but you know, overall, we're so proud of the boys and the effort they put in. And you know, these are boys that have been perhaps been overlooked at underage levels, and you know. You look at the opportunities that these boys have got now through this process, the likes of Patrick Kelly and Aaron Whiteman away with the under nineteens, you know, you'd lose Tosh making his debut for, for Corian. You've Jack McFeely making the squad in around Corian as well. So it's you know, although our job was to win the Centenary Shield, um it's also you look at the progression of the players that you've brought through and they're making great strides. The likes of Ryan McKay at Bundella, you know, he's probably been one of the most consistent players for us um, throughout the whole process. And I know Dundella will probably maybe find it difficult to hold on to him because there's a lot of, you know, good publicity about him. But, you know, it's, it's been a great campaign, although we haven't won it. I think in an adverse type of way, I would rather lose it by playing well and having good performances than having four bad performances and just go out with a whimper. But, you know, last night was hard to take because we wanted to finish in a high. But I think the the 96 minute winner equalizer with three minutes under time is a it's a better pull to, to swallow. So, but we'll let the the neutrals look at that, and hopefully we we will dust ourselves down, and again we'll look at planning for the next season's trophy. But overall, it's been although we haven't won it, it's been a pleasing campaign because of the performances and also the, the rewards that the players have got from club level because of it and international level. Well, I got a real taste of of you know. The, the sort of spirit and the camaraderie there and, and just how hard it is to say no to Frankie Wilson. I told about five people I was going home immediately after the match. <laughs> and somehow, me too, you told me that as well. <laughs> I know. And somehow I found myself walking into your room going, yeah, Frankie's got me somehow to come back to this. But um, it was, you know, afterwards I could understand obviously the, the, the disappointment that was there, but you could see how much the players had bonded over it as well and, and how much it sets them up for the future in their careers. But just thinking about your career, Richard, you know, is this something you want to pursue further in terms of, you know, a coaching journey, perhaps? Yeah, obviously, you know, I'm at the stage I am 36, and you think to yourself, what's next? And when I got the phone call for Frankie in November, December time, I was I didn't know what to do because I have a lot going on with my football and the school and my own personal life. You know, the kids are are going to football and there's so much on, and you dedicate so much time. I didn't really know if I had more time in, in my calendar for this but I'm so glad now that I have because you know I think the biggest compliment I can give Frankie was I sat in four team talks this season with Frankie in the four games and I've played with managers in the past the Roy McCready people like that Frankie makes you want to play for him you know he endears you uh, 
he gives you everything. He treats it like an Irish League game, which these players need. Um, and I've really enjoyed it. I've learned so much from him. I've learned so much from Simon. learned so much from, from Eamon and James Green, all the backroom staff. We're learning from each other, and it's really given me that appetite to, to progress. And, and it's maybe given me that, that kickstart. You know, I've, I've always thought about coaching and wanted to go into coaching, but it's really given me that appetite and that kickstart to really push on now and progress through my badges and, and see where it takes me because, you know, it's it's a different type of satisfaction, you know, trying to improve players and trying to educate them and trying to pass on your wisdom and experiences that, that you possibly have and you hope they listen to you and respect you. And I think we we really um, set that as our, our goals and throughout that we want to improve these players as well and we really want to develop a winning mentality, which they need because they're going into the senior game now. And hopefully uh, next year I can be a part of that again and try and improve that. But the same, Michael, I'm at that stage now in my career where I need to think about as well of what's next. You know, um, I'm not saying that I'm going to retire, but it's definitely a, something that I'll need to think about in the not too distant future. Well, I wish you all the very best when that time comes and uh, with your you know, continued success in, in coaching. Um, I could see how much you were enjoying things this time around, so uh, I think the bug has uh, has definitely got you now. Uh, Richard, thanks so much for coming on to the programme. No problem, Michael. Thank you for having me. And, uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy the game tonight yourself. Cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> the Score with Michael Clark. Now, a lot of people have been asking and wondering what is happening with Glen Torin there, the the big question mark when it comes to the Irish Cup equation, will they be back in it? Well, yesterday they had their appeal heard when they met with the Irish Football Association and Newry City fans, rightly too, will be wondering what's going on with us as will fans of Balamina United. Well, hopefully we can um, find out the latest now. Joining us on the programme to give us uh, up-to-date information is Cool FM and downtown journalist Gareth McCulloch, of course, friend of the programme as well. Gareth, great to have you back on. Thanks very much, Michael. Good to be on. Before we get into what is happening now, for anyone that's been living under a rock for the last number of weeks, can you remind us what this is all about? So, um, back in the quarterfinal, uh, Glentoran beat Newry City 1-0, and then it emerged afterwards that Joe Crow, who was playing centre-back that day, was uh, seemed to be ineligible. Um, the reason being, and it's quite a convoluted sort of thing, um, he had been suspended. He'd been sent off for Glentoran reserves. Got a three-match ban. Uh, one of those games that he missed was the intermediate cup that Glentoran reserves were playing in. However, there's an IFA rule that uh, an intermediate cup rule. Sorry that if you have played 12 games or more for your senior team, and Joe Crow had played 16, so it was 11 starts and five substitute appearances that you are ineligible for that competition. So therefore, if he was ineligible for the Intermediate Cup, then that doesn't count towards his suspension. Um, Nuri put in a protest, as would be their want, and they were awarded the position into the semi-final. And again, as expected, Glenshorn have appealed. So that is where we're at now. And really, we're just all waiting to, to find out what happens. And as you say, it's not just Glentoran, it's obviously Nuri and, and Balamina. I think Balamina have maybe been forgotten about in all this. They're, they're already into the semi-final. Um, they're waiting to see who they'll play and whether they'll meet Crusaders or, or Cliftonville in the final. How confident are Nuri City that they're going to be the team playing Balamina United? Um, I, I suppose it's a hard one to gauge, Michael. Um, you know, Yes, they'd be confident in the fact that they won their initial protest, um, and I think that was largely expected. I mean, to most people, this seemed quite a cut and dried case. Uh, you know, the rule was pretty clear. To be honest, I think it was a rule that not a lot of people knew about prior to this case. Um, it's obviously been very much bandied about the media subsequently. So, from Yuri's perspective, yes, I would say they would be reasonably confident. However, you know, when Glentoran appeal and you know, as is their right to do and they're they're I'm sure they've hired, you know, high, highly paid barristers, highly paid lawyers, it becomes more of a legal case, this current appeal that we're waiting the outcome of. So I suppose from Yuri's perspective, they they don't really know. Um they're trying to sort of, you know, put it on the back burner. Obviously they're sitting four points clear at the top of the championship and their next game is against their closest rivals, Anna, uh, on Saturday tomorrow week. So from that regard Whilst they would be 
reasonably confident. Um, it's not a case of, well, we're into the semi-final and it's just a case of going through formalities. It's a case of, look, what will be will be. Um, concentrate in the league for the time being and look, what happens will happen. It's, it's out of Nuri's control. I think a lot of people maybe are failing to understand that Nuri aren't actually involved in this appeal. They, you know, this is going to turn against the IFA. Going to turn our appeal in the IFA's initial verdict. So Nuri don't have a say in this. Nuri haven't been asked for admissions as as was put in the press last weekend. Nuri submitted their their documentation for the initial protest. So it's between two two parties, and Nuri aren't involved in. So I think it's maybe the not knowing. Um, you know, they would be say they'd be reasonably confident, but maybe not knowing exactly what's going on. So it's really up in the air. I think probably their guess is as good as anybody else as to what the outcome will be. And as you understand it, what is the crux of Glen Torren's appeal? Because a lot of people who don't support Glen Torren are looking rather unsympathetically from the outside in on this. Yeah, it's. I mean, obviously, you know, look, we, we, it's very hard to know what exactly the crux of their appeal is. Um, if we look at it from a footballing perspective, um, it would be seen as cut and dried. If this was still in the realms of football, um, Joe Crow was ineligible. Um, I think that's in, undisputable um, that, you know, he wasn't eligible to play. I think it was a genuine mistake on Glentoran's part. I don't think there was anything untoward in it. I don't think there was any arrogance or anything like that. But, you know, Glentoran, obviously, and again, you, you totally understand Glentoran are in a position where they want to appeal it and they feel they have grounds for an appeal. And what, what I'm led to believe is that it's going to, because this is more of a legal and a judiciary process, as Mick McDermott has rightly stated throughout all this, it's going to come down to wording and interpretation of, of the rules of the game and the rules of the competition. So what we're basically talking about is a loophole. There is a, they're trying to find a loophole or a technicality that can get them through because I think in most people's eyes and, you know, certainly gauging by quite a high percentage of Glentoran fans, on social media, on Irish League forums, they sort of seem to think, you know, maybe it's time to hold their hands up. However, at the same time, they're looking at technicalities, they're looking at wordings, they've got barristers, this is a more of a legal process. So I think it comes down to that. It comes down to, to interpretations and, you know, should Glentorn get through, that will be what it, it, it will be on. And for me, that could set a bit of a dangerous precedent going forward. In the world that we're in now, we see so much played out, not just in the media, but also in social media too. And one of the things that got a lot of people talking earlier this week was the suggestion or the notion that Glen Torren might offer Newry City a replay of the match <laughs> to, to once and for all decide things and take it away from any sort of courtrooms or, or boardrooms or whatever else. How was that met? Um, I have to say, down down Newry direction, it was met with... Um, a bit of a bit of hilarity. Um, there was there was certainly a few chuckles. Uh, I don't think that was it was certainly never on the table. Um, it may have been suggested by Glentoran. I don't know. You know, going by the article that, that I think most people saw over the course of the weekend, um, where that was suggested, it was obviously I was receiving phone calls and text messages left, right, and centre to ask, "Is this true? Would Nuri agree to it?" Nuri had never been asked. Um, for a replay. I don't think Nuri ever would be asked for a replay. If they were, I would have absolutely no doubt that they wouldn't agree to it. Um, it it'd be a very a very strange one uh, for Nuri to agree to that. I mean, I did, did make this, this suggestion to uh, representatives of Nuri that they could play it at the showgrounds with home fans only and Glentoran were allowed to play five players um, if they wanted to do it that way. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I don't think that was ever a, a, a starter, to be honest. Um, now, that's that doesn't mean that you know something could come out of this this appeal and that could be suggested again and suggested officially and then you cross that bridge when you come to it. My personal view, Nuri would not agree to that in any way, shape or form. But as I say, it, it's never been suggested to Nuri in an official capacity or, or in any capacity as far as I'm aware. People will be concerned about the time that this is taking. I think you've you know done a, a good bit there to explain why it does take time because it's a legal matter. But when are we likely to know more? The vibes I, I've I've got from people who I would I, I would like to think that would, would certainly know more than me, Michael, um, are that we could be waiting until Monday until we hear a, a final verdict. Um, I suppose as you touched on there, it's a long process, it's a legal process, it's a judiciary process, it's it's involving lawyers, and obviously you they are going to make sure that you know their eyes are dotted and their T's are crossed and, and you know, whatever decision is made, regardless of which way, is absolutely watertight. Um, the other thing, you know, 
if we look at the Newry's initial protest, uh, that was heard on a Thursday night as well. And the verdict didn't come through until sort of mid-afternoon on the Friday. And that was a pretty, you know, basic sort of short sort of protest and um, documentation that they had to go through. This is much more substantial. Uh, this is something that um, I'm sure the IFA want to make sure that there aren't any repercussions coming out of this. So my belief is that we won't hear anything until Monday. We obviously have the other Irish Cup semi-final between Cliftonville and Crusaders this evening. So, you know, I, I'm sure they won't want to overshadow that. Then we've got Saturday and Sunday, which, you know, I think everybody has a weekend break. So I, I can't see anything coming out before Monday. And then, you know, there is obviously the possibility that regardless of the decision that is made, whichever way it is made, you know, what, Glentoran, if it's made against Glentoran and they remain out of the competition, they're obviously within their rights to take it further to arbitration, which is certainly an option that I think many feel they may take. Um, if the decision go, goes goes against them. So, you know, this could rumble on a bit. Um, we have the Irish Cup semi-final as it stands between Balamay and Yuri scheduled for Wednesday, the April the 13th. Um, whether that's played or not, and whether that's Balamina against Yuri or Balamina against Glentoran is another, a matter for conjecture. The other thing about that is, on that date, if Glentoran are awarded a place and there are no more repercussions, that match... I would say is highly unlikely to be played on the Wednesday, given the fact that it's Linfield and Torn in the Irish Cup, or sorry, in the in the Premiership two days later, a huge game in the context of of the title race. I think it would be unfair if Torn were to get through to ask Torn to play an Irish Cup semi final and then uh, Linfield and Torn. 48 hours later, and um, so I think there's a lot of decisions to be made in terms of the initial appeal, and then you know. Regard whoever gets through, you know when this when these matches will be played, and a lot of organisation and getting tickets. There's a lot of sort of a process to go through. So Monday, from what I'm led to believe, um, fingers crossed we get something sooner. But you know, I, I would say if people are maybe getting a bit excited and expecting something today, maybe head your best towards Monday. You've waded through the information really well there. <laughs> the other part of this is the comet system, which is. Where I know Glentorum were unhappy because they were saying the system did not flag up the suspension, and I, I hear everybody and I, I understand the rules state that ultimately you're responsible for what you put into Comet and you should know. And you know it's a nice little clause which basically says don't blame us, blame yourselves. Uh, mm-hmm. in, a, in a that's a paraphrasal, that's not uh, yeah. verbatim. But will the Comet system be reviewed? I mean, is this something that can be improved? There's, there seems to be a lot of people speaking out about it too. I think, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. There has been a lot of conjecture about it. And, you know, I suppose the initial conversation surrounding Comet was started by Mick McDermott himself. And he's been pretty vocal in, in interviews, you know, in the first couple of weeks of, of this process. Um, in my opinion, the Comet system, whilst it didn't flag up that, that Joe Crow was ineligible, um, I do think that's a separate issue in terms of, you know, I think the question would have to be asked of Glenn Torren. Did you have an issue with Comet before this, this you know, the, the Joe Crow issue and for the Irish Cup problem, I suppose, for want of a better term? Um, you know, we didn't hear anything from, from any clubs about the, you know, the, the supposed deficiencies in the common system before this. And now it all seems to be coming out. So it begs the question as to, you know, do you only want it fixed if it affects you? Um, you know, if we're talking about the greater good of football, yes, I think maybe there's certainly, regardless of the outcome of this, that's a conversation that maybe needs to be had between the football authorities and um, clubs, and particularly club secretaries, because club secretaries are obviously they're you know 99% of them throughout the Irish league, as we know, Michael, are volunteers. They do it for the love of their club, and I know from Yuri's perspective. Um, they keep a record of every single player that's played in every game throughout the you know every team at the club. How many minutes they've played, whether they've been yellow carded, when they were substituted, etc. So you ha- you you are you should keep your own records. That's not to say Glen Torn don't keep their own records. I'm sure they do. Um, but from the comment system, in my opinion, is a separate issue. The reason being is that these rules have been in, in place since the start of this season. Um, the rules don't change mid-season to suit a particular team or a certain, certain issue. Now, Glentorn may be awarded this. Uh, they, they may get through this appeal um, on a technicality, but the rules won't have changed. The rules can only change after a competition is finished or at the end of the season, and then those discussions can be had. Um, so in that regard, 
I think it, it's probably, whilst yes, I do appreciate what you said there about, you know, the, the rule 15.5 where it says the sole responsibility is on the clubs to, to keep a check on the eligibility of their players. And it is, yes, it is a get out. It's a fail safe for, for the, the football association. Clubs need to make sure they have their own books in order and not just rely on, on one system. Um, I appreciate there will be counter arguments to that and that the common system isn't fit for purpose. We've heard that slogan used quite often throughout this process. I do think that's a separate discussion in my opinion and it's a, a discussion that I think would be fair. I think for the betterment of football, not necessarily that it needs change, but we need to allow people to air their grievances, to have their opinions on it, to say, well, look, we feel this could be, do, could be done better or we feel this is good, this isn't so good. Have those conversations and, and communicate, you know, communicate with clubs, in the clubs and the association and, and work out what the best way is forward. I don't think it should have a bearing in this case, to be honest, but, you know, maybe that's me, me being slightly biased towards you, right? Well, you are, after all, the, the host of the <laughs> Shed Enview podcast as well. But uh, I think you've been uh, very fair in everything that you've put across. Uh, just finally, because of Dundella's exit from the Cup, it's a, it's a separate matter too. For anyone that, that doesn't understand how it isn't the same, can you just quickly sum that up? I think from what I'm aware, Michael, um, at Dundella, Dundella signed, I think it was Dee Ferrin, mm-hmm. uh, um, just on the January transfer window. However, again, this is this is a flaw in the Comet system. It, it, they, uh, Comet system allowed Dundella to register him the day before the transfer window actually opened. So they allowed him to be registered on the 31st of December. And as we know, the, the transfer window doesn't open until January the 1st. Now that is that is an anomaly, and it's a very strange one how the system is allow allows them to do that. Now, I suppose if you're Dundella, you just wait until the first of January to input him into the system. And um, I think they they had an eagerness to to get him registered for the ironically the playing Yuri in the fifth round of the Irish Cup. Um, or sorry, the sixth round of the Irish Cup. Um, I can't, I, 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 there's been that many rounds, Michael. I can't even remember which which, which round it was now. There've been that many issues. Um, but you know, again, they would have the, the argument, and very similar probably to Glen Torrens, in that, well, if he's not allowed to be registered, why is the system allowing him to be registered? Um, yes, it's a, it's a separate issue, and they will obviously have issues with the common system as well. And I understand both parties. I understand Dundellas and, and Glen Torrens. Um, but, you know, flaws in the system, um, or, or perceived flaws in the system, are something that need to be ironed out subsequent to, to this and subsequent to this competition I think one thing we need to bear in mind is that you know the Irish Cup is this country's Premier Cup competition it's the big competition it's the showpiece um, we have the league and the Premiership is a brilliant brilliant product as, as we know from covering matches Michael but the Irish Cup is the big occasion at the end of the season and you know I would say there's a genuine fear that we may not have an Irish Cup final this season um, and because if Glentorn are awarded their their place in the semi final. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest that if Dundella decide to contact the IFA and go down their route and and at least sort of see if they explore any avenues for appeals. Um, because you know if if the, the decision to put Glentoran back in is based on the common system, then you know Dundella surely have a case as well, even though it is a different reason as to why they were they were kicked out of the competition. So you know we can't. <laughs> We had this issue, I think, in ninety nine two thousand with Cliftonville um, playing an ineligible player, and the Irish Cup final was never played that year. We can't go back to that. We can't afford to have our showpiece cup final not played. We can't afford to have our semi final delayed, and that's already happened. Um, we can't afford to have it delayed any further because it does make a bit of a mockery of of the league, and it gives the naysayers for football in this country the opportunity to to stick the boot in again. And we all know, as Irish league fans and as football fans in this country, that the product that we have here is getting better and better every year. The standard of football, the attendances, the facilities—they're all getting better. And we don't want to give anybody an opportunity to, to turn out and say, well, look, it's a bit of a tin pot operation. And you know, we're already hearing things like that. It's from people who don't know enough about the game here. But, you know, we need to stop these registration issues. We need to make sure that everybody has their ducks in a row. Everybody has their eyes dotted and their T's crossed and that players are entitled to play. And there aren't any protests. I would have no doubt if Yuri had been beaten 5-0 by Glentorn in the quarterfinal at the Oval, uh, that they probably wouldn't have protested. But... The, you know the reality is 
they could have taken that game to extra time um, and should have taken that game to extra time. So it was very close. And then it was it was found out that there was a, a player who wasn't able allowed to be played was playing. So I think in that regard, we just need to make sure there's the onus is on the clubs, the onus is on the association, but it needs to be sorted out. I want this is all done and dusted eventually. This needs to be sorted out for the betterment of the game in this country. Well, um, I'm sure you'll have the ladder up looking through the windows of the IFA headquarters today, <laughs> trying to get the latest scoop on it. But thank you for bringing us up to speed, Gareth McCulloch. Thanks very much, Michael. Appreciate it. The Score with Michael Clark. Well, a bit like tonight's final might do, we have run into extra time. I just want to say thank you to Ryan Catney, Richard Clark and Gareth McCulloch, our guests, for their contributions ahead of the big game later on. And it's a weekend where you're going to have to be a bit starved of football, really, uh, unfortunately, because of the way things have panned out. But we do at least have this one game to be excited about later on. Next week, we have a full fixture list back, and that is good. Don't forget, there is a midweek game as well, which rounds off the pre-split fixtures, the rearranged match at Shamrock Park. Portadown Cliftonville is on Tuesday at 745 There we go. We've reached the end. All that is left to be said is enjoy your weekend of sport. Bye-bye.